0: This week, I, had, I, I was thinking about this um, sermon this morning, and there had just been some people I'd wanted to, to thank publicly. Um, just people who have, uh, have poured into my life, have encouraged me, um, and just blessed me. And I just started writing down names of people um, I'd wanted to, to thank. And, and as I was writing, soon there were three pages of, of names. And I thought, you know, I, I, I'm not going to have time to do that um, this morning. And I was thinking, how in the world? Could there be so many names on this list? How could I have been blessed uh, this much? And, and as I was, I was thinking over that this week, I, I realized um, that this church has been such a, a blessing to me because uh, you've shared with me not only um, the ministry in this church, but you have shared with me your lives. Um, and I'm, I'm so thankful to have had that opportunity to, to walk Christian life with you. Um, and I just I wish I had a more adequate way to to thank you for all you have done for me and for the blessing um, that this entire church has been. Um, It has just been an absolute uh, pleasure uh, to serve here for the past three years. So um, this week, Joshua had asked me um, to talk a little bit this morning about um, some of the lessons I've learned uh, since I've been here. And I've I've learned some lessons uh, that I'll just carry with me uh, for the rest of my life. Um, and I've got three I want to talk about this morning, three three big ones. Um, and this first one I want to share doesn't doesn't exactly go with the other two. The other two kind of go with the Nehemiah scripture. Um, this first one is something that Pastor Jerry told me um, during that uh, first year I was here. It's something that um, it stuck with me then, and it has just proven true. Uh, it's something that will stick with me for the the rest of my life. Um, I I don't remember what context he told me this in. Uh, We were talking one day. I don't remember what I asked or what I said uh, for him to have said this. But he he told me, uh, Nathan, your ability uh, as a pastor uh, will not be determined uh, by how well you teach or lead or organize or even how well you can preach. It will be determined by how well you can suffer. And my first thought after he told me that, I, I thought, yeah, you know, Pastor Jerry, that is just so encouraging. You should really put that in a put that in a Christmas card before somebody else steals it. Um, but but the more I've thought about that, and the more I have lived through that, the more I've found that to be true. Uh, and not just for pastors, but for but for Christians. But I, I was thinking about um, how much of a blessing this church has been, and how good of a time I have had here. But I, I'm not sure why, but. Pastoral ministry or ministry in general, even at like the youth ministry level, um, is tiring, even when it shouldn't be. It's difficult, even when things are, are great. It, it's hard, um, even when it shouldn't be. Uh, and I've never understood that about ministry. But I, I truly believe that our effectiveness as, as Christians and my effectiveness as a, a pastor or a youth pastor um, is determined by how well we simply Suffer through it. How well we um, keep going, even when it becomes difficult, um, by our ability to to keep moving on towards the towards the the goal of reaching people uh, with the gospel. And uh, these other two lessons I've learned, and this is where I want to spend uh, most of our time this morning, um, are from Nehemiah. And, and these two lessons I've learned, um, and I've always tried my best to to practice these since I've been here. But the two lessons are. Um, Always let your life be interrupted, um, and always let your heart be easily broken. And I, want, I drew these two lessons from the book of Nehemiah, and I want to read uh, verses 2 and 3, where Nehemiah says, "Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from captivity, and about the things that were going on in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the providence of Judah." They are in great trouble and in great disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And so this story in the book of Nehemiah starts out with Nehemiah's just kind of everyday life uh, encountering uh, an interruption just with this tragic news of his homeland. Um, so just a little bit of context where Nehemiah fits in, um, kind of in Jewish history. Um, this is happening many years after um, Israel has been conquered by Babylon, and what happened when Babylon went in, um, they took the Jews out and they put the Jews somewhere else in Babylon, and then they put Babylonians uh, back in Israel. So they moved people around so they wouldn't be in their homeland. So it would make it harder for there to be an uprising um, if people became dissatisfied. It was a process that they did uh, to kind of form people to Babylonian culture. So this is many, many years after that, so many years after that, in fact, that Babylon has actually been conquered by another kingdom called Persia. Um, And uh, Nehemiah is actually the cupbearer to that new king, uh, Artaxerxes. And so Nehemiah is far away from home. He's probably actually never been to his homeland. Um, And what happened was the Persians were slowly letting Jews return back to Jerusalem. They were slowly letting Jews um, return to their homeland. And Hananiah uh, was one of the Jews that had gone back. And now he's coming back um, to Persia to tell Nehemiah uh, this news about Jerusalem. And one of the things you heard when Karen read at the end of this chapter, it talks about, or Nehemiah says that he was the king's cupbearer. And we read that and we think, you know, that's probably not that special or not that important. And that's what I thought too when I first read it, But as I was researching this passage of scripture, that was actually a very important job. Um, And not only was it important because he was protecting the king's life, as Brenda said, it was important because it was a place of prominence. Um, It was important because you were close to the king. You had the king's ear. Um, It was a very important, busy job. Um, So it might not sound like a whole lot, but being a cupbearer was something special. Um, And something that Nehemiah will eventually use, he was using the position that God had put him in um, to uh, fulfill God's plans. So I think it's it's probably safe to say um, if Nehemiah had such an important job uh, as this cupbearer, that he was probably uh, a busy guy. And and it's so easy to become busy like Nehemiah. Uh, And we, we don't want our lives to be interrupted. We, we don't like interruptions in life. Um, they might come in the form of tragic news like Han and I, or they might come in the form of somebody just needing help with something. Um, and even if it's somebody close to us, we, we don't enjoy interruptions. We, we don't want to hear their, their their problems. We don't want to know what's going on. Um, and it's so easy to let our hearts get hardened. But as we see in Nehemiah, even though he's probably busier than you and I will ever be, um, he makes time to be interrupted and to talk to his friends who are bringing uh, this distressing news. And I think that if we uh, as Christians wish to cultivate uh, the character of Jesus in our lives, uh, we need to leave our lives open to interruptions. I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and I saw just a beautiful example of somebody living this out, um, of making their life open to interruptions so that God could Work in those interruptions, because often these interruptions that we we don't want to bother with are when God will work the most. And what this person—I won't say their name—but what they put on Facebook, they put this up on that first Monday in January, and that's a day where a lot of people are depressed. The holidays are over, back to back to work on Monday, um, and for a lot of people, it's kind of a depressing day. And um, they put this on their their Facebook wall. They wrote, "My door is always open." The Keurig is always on, and my sofa is always warm and a place of peace and non-judgment. Any of my family and friends who need to chat are welcome anytime. It's no good suffering in silence. I have cold drinks in the fridge, tea and coffee in the cupboard, and I will always be here. You are never not welcome. I'll always lend an ear and a shoulder and my heart. And as I read this, I thought, you know, this person, this is showing the character of Jesus in their lives. This person publicly announced and publicly opened themselves up to interruptions. Instead of like holding their arms like this saying, no, don't come in or don't come here with your problems. They opened their arms like this and said, come here and I will lend you my shoulder. I will fix you coffee and we will talk through whatever is bothering you or whatever you are going through. And one of the things I've learned here um, is that ministry happens uh, not when we expect it to. Um, not, it doesn't typically happen during our scheduled meeting times or services. And, and I got, I, God does work during those times. But I think ministry so often happens when we don't expect it. I, I think ministry happens you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning when a teenager calls you on their phone in tears just because they don't know how to handle life anymore. Um, and they need somebody to talk to, and they feel broken um, and are desperate for hope um, that only Jesus can offer. Ministry happens, um, and life change happens in the interruptions. And if we close ourselves off to interruptions, and we say, I don't want my life to be interrupted, um, we are uh, limiting ourselves to how much God can use us to do his work. And my challenge with this, always leaving your life open for interruptions, is Leave your life open for interruptions. Um, when somebody says, I, I need you, be quick to take them in, even if they don't say, I need you. if You can just, you can just look at people and know they need you. Um, one of the ways I've done this, and I would challenge you to do, is um, I believe in an open door policy. Um, when I'm here at the, the church, my door is always open, literally, uh, except on, on Thursdays when the homeschoolers are here because um, it's kind of kind of a little bit loud. But any other time, uh, my door is always open open um even if i'm working on something important even if i'm you know preparing a lesson or a sermon to fill in for josh or or planning a meeting uh, i leave my door open um so that anybody that happens to be walking by uh knows that i'm i'm available i can talk to you Um, i've made it my habit to if somebody needs something somebody needs to talk even if they just want to come visit because sometimes something that just starts out as a visit um, develops into and you realize that they actually need something or they just need somebody to, to talk to. Uh, I make it a habit to if a person, I put people, I've always put, tried to put people first and if somebody has come to me needing something, I drop whatever I'm doing um, and I try to tend to them. I can always go back and, and work on that other stuff later. Uh, so I just encourage you, have, have an open door policy with your life. Always make yourself available to those interruptions and you'll be so surprised how many lives um, you can help through that. And I think part of having uh, leaving your life open to interruptions, or always being open to interrupt, up interruptions, um, is to always let your heart be easily broken. And so, it sounds strange to say that, uh, but I want to explain what I mean with, by that um, through what Nehemiah is going through here in verse four. Uh, Nehemiah says. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. When Nehemiah hears this news, when Nehemiah's life is interrupted by this news, he weeps. He is absolutely heartbroken um, to hear that Jerusalem is hurting. I think it's safe to say that because the Jews were God's chosen people, um, that God's heart was hurting, too, if the Jewish people's hearts were hurting. Nehemiah had a heart like God's heart, and Nehemiah's heart broke for the things um, that broke God's heart. So I say, always let your heart be easily broken, I should extend that to say, always let your heart be easily broken by the things that break God's heart. And uh, I've got some lyrics here uh, by Casting Crowns, um, their song, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. It says, Oh Jesus, Friend of Sinners, Open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. O Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And it's my hope that your heart will not be hard and that your heart will be broken uh, by the things that break God's heart. When we see something sad or we see something hurting, uh, we see somebody on Facebook who's put this post up about how they're just kind of struggling um, through life, we don't wanna see it. When we see the, the pictures of um, the hungry people on Facebook, people in Africa, we just scroll by real quick. Uh, because we know if we look at these things and we take the time to, to realize that, that behind the Facebook posts and behind the, the pictures that somebody is really hurting and acknowledge, they're hurt, it will break our hearts. And the reason we don't wanna let our hearts be broken um, is because a broken heart will keep you up at night. If we know that somebody is hurting and our heart is broken, um, it drives us to do something. And that's what happens in Nehemiah. His heart is so shattered by this thing that breaks God's heart, by the fact that Jerusalem's walls have been torn down, uh, that Nehemiah is driven to action. It is this driving force in his life. And as you saw in the rest of the chapter, he prays this prayer saying, God, give me the opportunity to fix this. Please uh, make the king favorable to me. And as we'll see, in, as, if you ever read the rest of Nehemiah, you'll see that Nehemiah goes to the king, and he takes a risk by talking to the king and asking for his favor to return to Jerusalem. So Nehemiah's broken heart drove him to action. In God's day, or in this day in Nehemiah, God's heart broke for Jerusalem. In our day, God's heart breaks for the lost. God's heart breaks for the hurting um, God's heart breaks for the people that don't know him. And those are the things and those are the people that our hearts should be broken by too. And, and so many of us have let our hearts get hardened. We, we've given up on the interruptions. We said, don't interrupt my life anymore. Stay back. Don't, don't, don't touch my heart anymore. Don't, I don't want my heart to be hurt. And we've made our hearts hard. And we don't want to acknowledge the hurt that is around us. And, and this sounds so strange of a thing, But I think we have to pray for fragile hearts. I think we have to pray that God um, would, as it says in um, Ezekiel, take out our old stony heart um, and put in a fleshy heart. Put in a heart um, that's made of flesh and beats and is responsive to God's words. It's good to have easily broken hearts for the things that break God's heart. So my challenge with this other um, lesson that I've learned is, let your heart be easily broken. Don't, don't harden your heart to the things that are around you. It will be saddening. And, and when you see these things and it breaks your heart, you, you will get saddened. It will um, keep you up at night, but it will drive you um, to do the work of God and to do the things that God has called you to do. So I challenge you, um, as I as I kind of close in prayer this morning, pray that, pray that you would leave your life open for interruptions. Um, and pray that That God will just give you a responsive heart um, that breaks for the things that break His. Uh, Let's pray together, and then I'm going to hand it over to Josh and the, the deacons for the Lord's Supper.